0: Hey everybody, and welcome to uh, maybe the last episode of Radio Free Nintendo from this E3. I guess it (laughs) remains to be seen, but uh, this is uh, day three, our second show of the day, and uh, I'm your host, Jonathan Metz. I'm with the E3 crew. I'll introduce them as they come up to the microphone here. Um, We are back at TYP's house, and uh, E3's over, and uh, the boys are playing Brawl. So this is going to be the brawl cast and we've turned down the audio but uh, I'm going to rotate them in in and out of here one at a time so you might hear some button clacks and joystick clicks and uh, laughter and cursing and other things in the background because uh, we've got a big screen brawl match going on right here in this very room. So uh, first up I'm here with Jared. Jared uh, did a smashing job on the video for this E3. Now, Jared, you've done some daily wrap-up, uh, daily video roundup articles. Uh, I, I imagine that's a good place to go. What do you think are some of the highlights of the videos that you that you took? Uh, anything like really interesting, in, just in terms of <laughs> maybe something that hasn't been seen before in video form, or uh, you know, something that you really think people should check out? Um, as as far as the videos, I would say that uh, probably the
1: big thing we have is uh, I found the uh, warp zone location in uh, Super Mario Brothers 3DS. Uh, during the uh, Nintendo Roundtable, they had uh, hinted that there was a warp zone in the game, and uh, both TYP and I were basically just searching for it uh, during the last day, and we really... not finding it having no clue the hint had been like turtle shell or uh something like that you know koopa shell and only one level in the game had that which was uh the uh mario under underworld level which happened to be numbered numbered world one two you know just like uh you know the original super mario brothers so uh finally I i pretty much was doing everything in that stage and uh i was able to find it uh you know i know it's sort of a spoiler if you don't want to find out how to do it don't watch the video but uh if you don't mind since it is the first warp and the first world and you know it's you know check it out it's up there and we have a couple other cool videos uh, i would recommend watching the uh, 15 minutes of uh, luigi's mansion it's the entire demo it was a uh, typ playing and, uh, you know, we have a couple other cool things, and uh, most of uh, the 3DS stuff has direct feed sound, so it's cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, you did a really nice job, um, you know, trying to get the best quality possible, whether it was over someone's shoulder, or um, did, we didn't, really didn't have much luck getting direct feed video for the most part, right?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, we did not get any direct feed video. Everyone turned us
2: down. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, and you can't really do that with 3DS anyway, but for things like Wii games and Wii U games... Well, for Wii U, certainly Nintendo has strict control over that right now, and they weren't allowing that. And they, Nintendo doesn't really allow that kind of thing in general. Um, and then a lot of the third parties either weren't showing very many Wii games, or if they were, they they weren't allowing it either. So, uh, But you, you took a lot of over-the-shoulder stuff, and you definitely know what you're doing with that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I saw a lot of uh, sound plugs and things like that. So, I mean, if you like to hear the music in the, in the demos, actually... I kind of want to go back and watch some of that because a lot of times I don't get to hear it even if I played the demo. Um, there's a few cases where I plug in. I did plug in for Resident Evil Revelations, which is maybe my DS game of the show. Um, and and that was part of the reason. I was, I was actually extremely impressed with the audio design in that, and I was really glad that I was able to hear it when I played it because, um, you know, the Resident actually, Evil... Added oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, Neil's, Neil's saying that by the second day, they had pretty much added headphones to all the 3DS demos um, at Nintendo's booth because uh, you really couldn't hear them at all on the first day. So I plugged in my own when I played it. And uh, let me tell you right now, if you like Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil Revelations is exactly what you want on the 3DS. And it that it works incredibly well in terms of being seriously creepy, The controls are excellent. In fact, I'd say they're probably the best controls I've ever experienced in a Resident Evil game. Um, In fact, when you're aiming down sights, you know, when you're when you've got the R but the R shoulder button held in, um, you can actually move around in every direction and turn um, while aiming. So, if you held that button down, you could pretty much play it like a first-person shooter but i generally don't i don't think you would want to i think there are are plenty of reasons to not do it that way other than just being maybe less comfortable but uh that game just the 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 sound design was really impressive and also the graphics are stunning i mean i think the only game i saw that competes with it graphically is probably nano assault uh from shinin and majesco and uh you know, I expect, fully expected that game to look amazing because Shinen's been doing stuff like that since Iridium on Game Boy Advance and then uh, Nano Stray on DS, and now this is the successor to those games, and uh, it looks ridiculous on 3DS. It looks incredibly good, but uh, yeah, that and Resident Evil Revelations were the two most impressive things I saw on 3DS, at least in terms of graphics. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, Jared, you, you spoke about some of the videos that you took, um, some of the ones you'd recommend. In general, um, what did you play on the third day? What what stood out to you? What, what would you like to highlight here um, uh, for the people before we wrap up E3? Um, for, the,
1: for the third day, I actually didn't play too many things. But uh, I guess from E3, things uh, that I, I really enjoyed that I don't think uh, – too many of the other guys played uh was uh one was a centipede uh infestation Mm -hmm. um it pretty much is uh very similar to uh to uh geometry wars actually um you know use the left stick to move around um the one level i was playing was just a a small area so you know it pretty much is just like uh you know a rectangular area it seemed to be uh like in a forest-like setting, and uh, you just had all these bugs coming at you—not centipedes for most of the level—and then uh, y- you would aim with the, uh, you know, Wii Remote IR, and uh, uh, the controls felt very smooth. And I felt myself like immediately going into uh, like the ge- Geometry Wars mindset because all all the bugs were like going everywhere, and uh, you know, just quickly trying to shoot them and uh, avoid them. And then uh, towards the very end of the level, centipedes actually did appear—two two giant centipedes—and they, they had a lot of cool uh, motions and things that, and it was fun just avoiding them. And they they would uh, the centipedes would like go together, and it, it was actually really cool.
0: Yeah, and Neil wants me to uh, note that that game is developed by WayForward uh, for for both Wii and 3DS. Uh, and by the way, I should mention that Jared is a disgustingly good Geometry Wars player, so uh, if he's comparing Centipede to that um, in a favorable way, then that's probably a, a pretty high endorsement. I, I didn't really play it, but I saw you guys playing it, and it did look pretty good. The, I mean, the graphics weren't great, but uh, it looked like it played really well, and it, it looked like it was a lot of fun. And I did play it a little bit, actually, and, and I, I liked it, too. Um, so, uh, Jared, do you wanna do you wanna switch out with someone?
1: Uh, sure. I I guess there was one other thing I wanted to yeah, mention. Um, I just wanna. I think you guys had spoke about it on another of the shows, but I wanted to bring up uh, Chase Me for Wii U again. Um, I just wanna say, I really think that game possibly could be the system seller (laughs) for uh i i loved pac-man verse i thought that was one of the best games and i i had a lot of fun during college playing that with my roommates and like basically it's just an an advanced version of pac-man verse and basically the you know the wii u controller allows you to have uh you know basically uh you know in pac-man verse you had just the basic uh, Pac-Man level design. but now with uh, uh, Chase Me, you had a, you know you had a giant level with tons of like mazes and like different areas to go in. And because of the controllers so big, you can see all those areas and you just had a ton of places to hide and it, it really was just a lot of fun.
0: All right, great. I, uh, I got to play it a bit myself and I enjoyed it as well um, actually was, um, so when I played it, the, the Mario cap character, the, the one who's trying to evade and, and avoid being caught, uh, was being played by Mark McDonald. And I was, uh, uh, from eight, four and the eight, four podcast. Um, and, uh, and I was playing one of the toads, actually the granny toad in the yellow suit. Um, and I actually managed to catch him. Um, so I told him that, uh, it was exciting for me because I listened to their show and if they uh if they end up talking about that on the show then I'll be part of the story. You know, whether they they probably wouldn't be able to name me anyway, but uh I'll I'll hear it and I'll know that uh that I was the one who got a mark. So it was really exciting for me. Um and, uh, and yeah, I had a really good time with it as well. So uh, I guess now we'll we'll switch out, and you can get back into the Smash Brothers, and uh, one of these guys can come over and talk to me, and, and while they sort that out, I think I'm going to talk about another Wii U game, because today I got to play uh, Ghost Recon Online, and uh, this, this was interesting. I mean, we saw the multiplayer demo of it uh, last night at the developer roundtable, but and this won't mean very much to the people at home, but this was a game that was quite difficult to access at the show. Actually, there were only two demo units of it at, at all of E3. Um, and, uh, unless there was one back in the ultra VIP area of Nintendo, but I didn't see one when I was back there and I got back there by a fluke. Anyway, that was mostly for like really high level retail partners and stuff like that. Um, But in the main booth, uh, there were basically uh, Wii U demo units lined up on either side of the booth. Um, And then there was an area at the top over on a kind of a balcony area for press tours. And um, we got to go up on the first day of the show. We got to go up to the press tour area up on the second level and play all the Wii U we wanted to, which was great. You know, I mean, that's how we got all of our coverage on the first day. But the Ghost Recon demo wasn't up there. So actually pretty much the only way that you could get into play it was to wait in that four-hour line. Um, with everyone else and you know being media and having a lot of appointments and games that we have to cover we just can't do that we can't wait in line for that long just to cover one game so um, I was concerned that we might not be able to cover this game because it was so difficult to see it was so inaccessible Um, but Jared I think on the second day uh, managed to talk his way into, (laughs) into the demo somehow. Um, and then I got a text from James today, sort of giving a, a general set of instructions on how we might be able to do this ourselves. Uh, so James got to play it and then we went over, I went over with Neil a little bit later and, uh, and we tried it and it worked for us too. So I ended up getting to play Ghost Recon online. Thank goodness. A few of us did actually. um, And it was interesting, you know, it's a third-person shooter, it's cover-based, so there is, you know, certainly you can compare it to something like Gears of War. In the demo they had, this was a single-player demo, and it's not clear whether the final game will even have a single-player mode. This might have just been thrown together for E3 just to show it off. But you were uh, basically choosing one of three character classes and then running around this stage and, uh, and fighting these robot drones that were... Uh, they, they were kind of like turrets, really. They they moved around a little bit, but not much. Um, and they weren't very interesting in combat. I mean, they shot at you, but they weren't very very mobile, and they were kind of really spaced out and not very powerful. So you could kind of get used to the controls, but as a gameplay demo, I don't think it really showed you what was cool about this game. Um, and, and I definitely got the sense that they kind of threw this together in, in a short period of time. In fact, I think the Wii U version of that game has not been in development for very long. I think they really um, put something together as quickly as possible so they could have something to show at E3. Um, but, you know, the, the game controlled quite well um, it, because you're basically using dual joysticks, you know, for this, just like you would in, in a lot of other shooters. Uh, it really, I think, brought light to the fact that the Wii U uh, joysticks, for one thing, I should say that they're really more like the circle pad on 3DS. They're, uh, they they rise up a little bit more. They look like a little miniature Rollo candy, um, you know, in the in that shape because they're they're kind of uh, like a circular trapezoid, um, but then there's this this little ridge on the top. And the ridge is nice because it keeps your thumb from sliding right off of the nub, but the problem is that it's large enough that your your thumb—I don't know—for me, my thumb, the tip of my thumb that it was resting in it didn't fill up the entire nub, uh, that that ring on top of it, and so I felt my thumb kind of sliding around inside of the top of the joystick. And, um, and I, it made me wish that, uh, that it had some kind of internal concentric rings, like the one on the N64 or even the Nunchuck, you know, so that it, it gave a little bit of grip on, towards the center of the nub and not just a ring around the edge to keep your thumb from sliding completely off of it. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, Neil's sitting next to me, and maybe he can make a comment on that
3: um well i guess kind of uh, i i totally get what johnny's talking about from having also played ghost recon and i think my problem biggest problem with it was that i had a lot of trouble kind of fine-tuning my aim with it because it uh, because like my f- my thumbs didn't seem to like fit perfectly there like fine-tuning it was was tough i guess uh, i guess maybe because it was sliding around or something like that But, uh, I mean, other than that, the Ghost Recon game, as far as how it uses the touchscreen on the Wii U controller, looks like it could be really cool, especially because it has that that 3D map that you can tilt the controller and kind of see different angles of it, which I thought was really neat. It looked a lot like uh, Johnny pointed out, like the, uh, the Metroid Prime maps, which I think are pretty cool and would look a lot cooler if you could kind of tilt to see them more because I always had trouble kind of controlling and maneuvering through those with you know a a stick on the gamecube or I i don't even remember how they were in metroid prime trilogy
0: all right well um now that i've got neil over here and jared well he was playing until i guess he ran out of stock is that how it worked yeah yeah so jared's waiting to to play the next round right now but um neil what did you What did you write down here as the highlights that you wanted to uh, address
3: for the E3 wrap-up? Um, I mean, I, I think I've talked about the other things that I've done throughout the show. I mean, as far as like the Nintendo games, I mean, we've talked about that. You can read it all on the site. But the one thing from the third day that kind of stood out to me was uh, I met with Jules Watson from Renegade Kid. And they're making Mutant Muds, which is a... Uh, 2d side scroller uh, that's going to come to the eShop hopefully later this year and it seems to be heavily inspired by the virtual boy wario land game which is pretty damn cool um it's this nice like you know i wouldn't say it's 8-bit it's probably something more than that but it looks very very basic as far as the layout layout there in the in, in the game um it's all sprite based uh the worlds are really bright and colorful though um You know, you can jump into the foreground, jump into the background. Uh, You play as a a little kid, I believe his name is Max, and you have a water gun that you shoot at muds, and then that's how you defeat them. Um, And the water gun kind of shoots like little bullets out there, so basically shooting a gun. Uh, He can jump and he can hover. Um, which is cool, and there's also these different power-ups uh, that you can temporary power-ups, which seemed a little weird that you can buy from his grandma at stores with uh, these gold diamonds you collect. And there's unlockable levels. Um, there's 20 main ones, and then uh, there's there are four worlds with four levels each. And then if you collect all the you know diamonds littered throughout each each world, then you can unlock a fifth world. Um, with four more levels and then each level contains um, another secret entire level which there, there's there's more to the game there too but it it seems to be really really cool and uh, i hope it comes out sooner rather than later because it could be a, a landmark title for eShop
0: so that's definitely a download title yes and and can you say the name of it one more time
3: it is uh mutant muds from renegade kid i mean Mutant Muds, and it's developed by Renegade Kid.
0: Okay, and those are the guys who did Dementium and Moon on the DS. So uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are fans of their work uh, previously. And, you know, I I think... (laughs) Well, it does sound really interesting. I mean, Wario Land on Virtual Boy is an amazing game. Very few people have really got the chance to play it. Um, but it's basically a 2D platformer on multiple planes of depth uh, with some interaction. Um, so you're either, like, throwing things or knocking things back and forth between the two planes and sometimes uh, traveling as well. So um, anything that, that even broaches those subjects in terms of gameplay, I think, is pretty cool. Now, uh, Neil and I both got to play the uh, Bit.Trip Saga demo from Gaijin Games today, and uh, you know I, I think we're both pretty big fans of Bit. Trip. I, I and the first thing I asked, we were speaking to Alex Noisy, uh, the, the head of the company there, and really the, 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 uh, the lead creator of the Bit.Trip series, and um, the first thing I asked him is, Alex, I already own all six of these games on the Wii, on, through WiiWare. Uh, why should I buy it on 3DS? And he said, "Well, you should buy it on 3DS if you care about portability, uh, which is a, a great feature. And I think these games lend themselves well to being portable. Certainly, they're all pretty short, pretty fast-paced, uh, very arcadey. So that all makes a lot of sense. Um, and he said, if you if you value them being in 3D, now." I, it's hard for me to place a value on the 3D effect, but if I did, it would be a low value um, because I, you know, it's just a very superficial thing. But uh, I will say that they seem to be doing a pretty good job with it in the adaptation, in the, in the, in the parts of the game that we saw. And um, in some cases, it actually looked a lot better than I expected. Like on Trip Beat, this is a game that is essentially styled after an Atari 2600 game. There's not a lot going on screen at any given time. I mean, there's this Pong bar moving up and down, and there are big, big chunky pixel dots moving across the screen. Um, And at the lower levels of gameplay, it really doesn't... Being in 3D really doesn't add much to it. But then as you do better, and you get up to ultra... Mega, whatever they are, he I, I actually tested uh, Alex to see if he could name off the different levels in in order, and he did, but he had to think about it a little bit. Um, and he, I think he, he he mentioned that he kind of regrets going with that because it is so difficult to tell um, which ones are better than others. But anyway, as you as you get to the higher levels and the graphic style becomes busier and more colorful and more bombastic. Um, to, to match that, to match the higher level of play that you're at. The 3D effects really kick in, and it, it starts to look really interesting, actually, just because there are a lot more particles coming off of things. Um, there are a lot more flashing colors, and there really there's, there's just more in the background, and there's more to look at. And I, it's one of those things where the the less there is to look at, the the less 3D really matters. Um, and then he did mention that once you get into the nether uh Zone, which basically means that you're about to die if you don't improve your performance. Um, they actually turn off 3D and at the software level. So even if you have the 3D slider all the way up, um, if you get into the nether and you're about to die, they actually they actually force it off, um, either as. Possibly as punishment, or maybe just to help you uh, help you avoid distractions, so that you can recover from that and start building it back up. I thought it was a really cool idea, and it'll be interesting to see if other developers take advantage of the ability to uh, to turn 3D off um, at at certain moments in gameplay or, or under certain circumstances. So, um, Neil, what's the what's the next thing that you wanted to bring up here for the wrap up show?
3: um actually it was bit trip saga but you covered that pretty succinctly so um i, I guess the, the last thing about that is that it uh, i i hate them because uh <laughs> i kind of want it on 3ds but at the same time i already own all the games um and there's also that that we disc that they're going to be bringing out um potentially uh, at the or at least the plan is a simultaneous release for the 3ds bitrip saga and then this this Wii disc version of Bit, of all the bitrip games that's going to include something like tw- uh, I believe 120 challenge levels um, that are a, a addition in, in addition to that uh, with 20 for each game. Um, and then I think there's there's more bonuses along with that. We have a news story about it that Johnny wrote up earlier. But that seems like a that could be the better package. But then again, I already all, already own all those games on Wii, so that'll be even harder to justify. But I really like I really like the Bit Trip games, and I really like the guys who make them. So I mean, I, I I hope that people do buy them, even if it's not me.
0: Yeah, and uh, I mean, I agree with you that at this point there are so many ways there are going to be so many ways to buy these I and mean, they're also on the iPhone um, iPad uh, OS and uh, you know those are legitimate versions as well and they're quite affordable so if you have access to those you might want to consider those I mean we don't know what these retail versions are going to be priced at but I think for fans of the series you we really are wrestling with a lot of these questions of should I should I buy this stuff am I really gonna get my money's worth out of it and then you know, at the same time, I am very happy for these guys because these are really good games, and they're getting more exposure for them, and uh, and they're they're moving from we wear to retail, which not many companies have done. Um, so I I think it's cool, you know, to have put a lot of time and effort into the series of games, to have a lot of underground kind of reputation and and cult status for them, and then to have a chance to actually put it out there in retail on the shelf and have this box copy that will get a lot more exposure to a much wider range of people. Um, it's just these are such niche games; they're so hardcore. You know, they have such a, a weird, potentially off-putting graphical style. Um, they're so difficult that I wonder whether the type of crowd who, you know, doesn't buy a game unless they see it at Walmart, are they really going to pick up Bit Trip Saga? I mean, and if they do, are they really going to be happy about it? That's what I'm not sure about because as much as I love these games, certainly they're not for everyone. Um, but, you know, it'll it'll be really interesting to see, and I, and I am glad that they're doing a lot more with it. And, uh, you know, I, I think this series is going to continue in one form or another even beyond these compilations. So um, it, we'll, we'll have to see about that. Both of these are coming out in late summer and then, Uh, These guys work on a pretty accelerated time schedule, so uh, it probably won't be that much longer after that before we find out what they're doing next. Now, uh, Neil, before you go, uh, we both sat through a demo for Spider-Man and X-Men, and I think X-Men is the more interesting game to talk about here, um, chiefly because it is being made by our friends at Silicon Knights, who developed Eternal Darkness and Metal Gear Solid, the Twin Snakes, and then later... The less <laughs> luminous, to human on Xbox 360, and now they are going multi-platform for the first time, really, and uh, and we found out today we confirmed that uh, they are making the Wii version of X Men Destiny along with the PS3 and Xbox 360 versions. Um, so I think we we did an interview a few years ago where Dennis Dyack I think he pretty much said they would never make a game for Wii. Um, but, uh, or at least they certainly weren't interested in the direction Nintendo had taken with the console uh, and its design. But uh, here they are. Um, ma- maybe they've been humbled by the two human experience. I don't know. But,. Uh they are making a Wii game, uh, and it's X-Men Destiny, and it actually looks pretty good, I think. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with what I saw. The initial screenshots that came out were not good, were not flattering whatsoever, but the game actually does look pretty good in motion, and I think it has a lot of interesting ideas that it's messing around with, including a few things that were intended to be explored in Two human and by the time the final game came out, had really been left by the wayside. So it definitely has that mark of Silicon Knights on it, even though it's a licensed property. And, um, I, I'm pretty excited to see more about it. Neil, what did you think?
3: Um, I missed the, uh, the, the first bit of the demo cause Jared and I were actually interviewing, uh, someone from Beanox about the Spider-Man game, which I'll make a brief comment after I talk about X-Men for a little bit. Um, but from what I saw about it, uh, my interest is definitely peaked. Um, the, the whole, Conceit behind it is that there's these three new mutant characters that I guess can borrow the powers of all the all the mutants you know and love. You know your your Cyclopses, your Wolverine, your Gambits, etc., etc. Um, and it's these characters' origin stories. So you make these decisions between you know going with the Brotherhood or going with the X Men, um, which definitely goes in with Silicon Knights, is always talked about and you know kind of done in the past with you know, the, all these moral dilemmas and, uh, you know, deciding between them. Although this seems like it's going to be very, very black and white, which isn't really a bad thing, but I mean, it's it's really easy to de- determine, you know, okay, here's the good answer and here's the bad answer, although you might not know the outcome. And I know as far as with a, the previous Marvel game, I know Spider-Man Web of Shadows actually had several several different endings that you can get that would kind of you know it depended on what decisions you made when that would add up to these endings which maybe x men will do something like that too which would be pretty cool um but as far as uh you know the gameplay and everything it looks like it's it's gonna be a kind of like a action brawler which could be a lot of fun and looking forward to seeing how it's gonna turn out uh shouldn't be too long it's coming out in september um so that's that's good
0: all right well um as for spider-man it seems in terms of gameplay very similar to the past couple of spider-man games i think they they've tightened up the story elements a lot since uh, last year's game shattered dimensions um and the voice acting definitely is of step up uh, which was a big sticking point for me last year <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, with the voice acting, you can kind of tell why it happened, was that the guy who did 2099 was terrible, so they replaced him with uh, the guy who did noir, um, and then the person who did Amazing Spider-Man last year was Neil Patrick Harris, so he probably was a, uh, you know, not in the budget, so they got uh, the guy who voiced Ultimate Spider-Man and did the excellent spectacular Spider-Man cartoon show from a couple years ago. To voice Amazing Spider-Man, and they seem to have a really good repartee in the game, which is important because there's these kind of picture-in-picture moments where, uh, where you know, Spider-Man 2099 is talking to Amazing Spider-Man, and uh, they interact a lot. the The one disappointing thing about that game, I mean, it looks like it's going to be a good a good successor to Shattered Dimensions, where it takes what was laid out in that game, which there were problems with it, but it was rather good and, and improves upon it, but. It doesn't look like we're going to get that Metroidvania game that we've we've gotten with the past couple of Spider-Man games. Instead, the 3DS version is actually going to be a pretty much just a, a port of the you know Wii 360 PS3 version, which I, I, I guess is a little disappointing because I'd much rather prefer having the, the Metroidvania games. Even though I know I, I don't like them quite as much as Johnny does. Um, there's a little hope for that though. There's a DS version developed by Other Ocean. Um, but they're not Gryptonite who made the other two. So who knows? But that's that's man And uh, I want to just mention briefly about uh, the Spyro game Skylanders, which I probably saw more more than I ever really had to about it. But it seems pretty cool because it uh, it has all this the, the figures that you you know, you have the portal. That will hook up to your system and then you put these figures onto the portal and then they go into the game and you do stuff in the game and you can take them off your p- off the portal, take them to a friend's house, etc, etc, like PR bullshit speak. But what's really cool about that is that it's compatible with every version of the game. So, you know, you could be playing the Wii version and then take your character and put it in the 360, PS3, or 3DS version. Um, the 3DS version is developed by Vicarious Visions. The other versions are developed by Toys for Bob, who I can't, can't really think of what else they've done. I think they're an Activision subsidiary, though. Uh, but Vicarious Visions is notorious for using more of the system than everyone else seems to do, as they did with uh, you know downloadable content in the Guitar Hero games on Wii. Um, and they're actually using the IR port of the 3DS to connect to the portal, which... Um, as, as far as I know, and I think everyone knows, the the, R, the IR part on the 3DS has not been used in a game yet, so um, I guess that's an interesting tidbit, but um, I actually think the Skylanders games look kind of cool. Um, uh, it's basically like a Lego-esque game. Uh, there seems to be a lot of those, I guess, because they're really popular. Um, that's what it seems to be like on the Wii, PS3, and 360. They're all identical games. Activision seems to be doing that with all their, all their big games, or at least the... Games that they've shown um, with Spider-Man, X-Men, and Skylanders all being like that. And um, there's a cool little one-one v one 1v1 multiplayer mode that seems reminiscent of the James Bond Everything or Nothing uh, multiplayer on GameCube, which I thought was really awesome and underrated. I don't, I don't know if uh, anyone else played that besides me in this room, but the Everything or Nothing multiplayer. In the, that that Bond game on GameCube is, I think, severely underrated, and there needs to be more games like that. It's kind of arena like like Power Stone, but in a different manner. Um, and the 3DS version uh, is is a completely different experience from the other ones, and is actually kind of more of a uh, like 3D platformer as opposed to an action Lego-y game. Um, but yeah, uh, like I saw more of Skylanders. I probably talked more about more about it than it needed to now, but I actually think it is pretty cool um, for for the markets it's intended to, and maybe even more than that. So keep an eye out on it.
0: And just to be clear, uh, thanks, Neil. Just to be clear, the Skylanders is a Spyro, sort of a revival of Spyro the Dragon. Uh, So after many years of legal wranglings and, I don't know, I guess property sales or something, Activision uh, has somehow ended up with the license for Spyro the dragon and this is how they've chosen to bring it back
3: well well I don't think it was really that much of a licensing problem with that uh because I guess the Vivendi merger I i forget the ex- exactly what happened with that but because Activision did release uh the, like the, the Spyro game I want to say 2007 or 2008 I think yeah I think it was the first full year it was on the site because I reviewed the Crash Bandicoot games that came out that year that were from Activision and I think just what happened there is that they didn't quite know what to do with with the, the series and, uh, and I don't think it took them too long to figure that out because Skylanders has been in development for I believe two and a half years so it's a long ass time Alright, well now,
0: now we're going to switch out and I think James is going to come over and uh, take the seat james is as James and I have had an interesting couple of days. we've actually met a number of people who listen to the show and who uh, have been up here at e three so that's been really fun. James, uh, looked like you were I'm sorry, I might have pulled you out at a dramatic moment in the series of battles here, but uh, if you can think about back to e three all those hours ago what uh what did, what did you what do you have to say about the last day of E3? What did you see that you actually liked?
2: Well, I've not really spoken about a lot of what I saw at E3 in general. Um, I've been sort of locked away when the recording either, either asleep or writing or both. Um, but one of the I'll speak about a game that not necessarily I, I liked but is interesting and I'm not sure that it's come up on the show, is um, the direction with which the Metal Gear Solid game on 3DS has gone. Um, I'm not sure how much it's been discussed. None. None. Yeah, that's kind of telling because um, it took day three before we actually had impressions for it, and that's just because I finally decided, well, crap, I better do it." it. Last year, that was one of those games, games lose a loose term, um, that we walked away really impressed by, but ultimately it was the same kind of demo that the the Wii U units have um, for Zelda and for um, the Japanese Garden Bird Simulator, um, where it's basically you're just interacting with the camera. When um, we ultimately, when we got our hands on the game this week, it it there were some instantly telling problems with controls that have manifested in the, la- the loss of the second control stick um, as opposed to adopting kind of a gyroscopic controls to, a- to make up for it, which I can understand not wanting to do because there are some games that do that and with mixed results. They've just sort of mapped camera controls to the face buttons. which means they've mapped action controls to the D-pad and the shoulder buttons, which means they've created contact-sensitive shoulder buttons, which means they've had to move some context creation to the touchpad, which makes the entire thing a bit akin to learning calculus. Um, it took me about two and a half playthroughs of the demo, which is not a short demo. It's about 15 minutes to really understand exactly how the controls work and be able to at least get from point A to point B without being utterly befuddled by what I was doing. I'll, usually when you go through it, you're kind of stuck staring at something and wondering why you're not going in the direction you meant to go. and It's usually your fault insofar as you've misinterpreted what a button is designed to do. Um, the the game is incredibly green and brown, which <laughs> it's it's there's there's kind of a a you know an industry joke about games being brown and browner. This game's kind of green and brown, and it's it's nice to get two colors, but it really can make on a small screen like that it can make it difficult to judge hostiles and um, trees from as being different things. Because ultimately, you're just shooting tranquilizers into a tree at long range. You're not really accomplishing anything. Um, I I did feel a bit better about the game after I played it the second and a half time. And I was able to get through the demo and not wander around trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Um, it It seems like that's kind of a terrifying thought that it took two and a half playthroughs of the same 15 minutes of gameplay for me to really feel at least somewhat comfortable with the game as it's structured. But... It, it has a chance of being a decent title, but it needs work. And I am concerned that the loss of a second analog stick is going to hamper games in, similarly in the future going forward. Uh, they're not going to be the only ones who have to struggle with this this downporting to the 3DS issue where you suddenly don't have that second analog stick. Uh, Luigi's Mansion like I'm, is one of the games that handles it with the gyro, but it works better in that game because ultimately you're not really controlling the camera. You're just sort of controlling where... Luigi himself is pointing, but you're still only moving him on really two axes, in and around. It, this is a game where it's more, you know, right behind you, and it's much different that way. Well,
0: James, while I, while I've got you here, I would really be failing in my duties to not ask you about Picture Lives. I, now, now, Picture Lives is not a game that was really announced in any way. It wasn't shown. Um, it's just a demo that's there. It's just one of those things that appears at Nintendo's booth, and we're like, what the hell is this? And we play it, and then we're like, what the hell is this? So <laughs> um, maybe you could briefly describe Picture Lives to the best of your ability and give us your, your thoughts on... What, what was going through your mind as you experienced this bizarre, strange,
2: strange game? Uh, methadone is probably the first thought I had because this has got to be like some kind of drug replacement. Picture Lives is this weird creature creator, somewhat like Spore, but much less sophisticated, where you basically build a body, stick legs on it, put a mouth and eyes on it, and call it a day. And then you have to control it through these sort of bizarre stylus-based controls, where either you make it slowly scamper like a crab sideways from one way or the other, or you cause it to, or you pull down on it and cause its legs to catapult it into a direction of which you have very limited control. Um, your creature, the picture, which lives apparently through a heart transfusion, (laughs) begins to consume whatever food it finds lying around, and and then it interacts with these characters it sees that are equally screwed up. They give you quests, and their quests involve feces, and sometimes you're... (laughs) This this is none of I'm not making any of this up. I really am not. Occasionally your character will go to the bathroom on the ground and your character will often lay eggs that you have to collect and then at the end of the end of the quote day, when it's time for your creature to quote go home, you will be given your eggs in like an egg carton and then be told to crack open your own eggs as fast as you can for bonus points. At which point, coins spill out of them. (laughs) Determined entirely by how quickly you broke open what would be your own offspring. Game is... I just honestly, when I was playing it, I looked at the PR rep about 12 times and just asked her, has this happened with previous playthroughs? And she says, no. Because there's so many whack things in the demo that she honestly hadn't seen them all yet. Um, at one point, I found a key. She said there's a treasure chest that goes with it, but she's never seen it. Uh, maybe it's not there. I wouldn't be particularly <laughs> surprised. Uh, the The game looks kind of like a storybook art. You know, it's really colorful, pastels, um, like construction paper kind of stuff. It, it's very attractive, but it really... I. I don't know what the hell's going on in that game. Um, I'm not sure that it is a game. I mean, I know it's it's a 3DS download title. I, I wrote impressions about it, but you won't get anything out of those that you didn't get out of this because, wow.
0: Yeah, I, I really would recommend that our listeners go read your impressions because they're really funny Um, and this game is fascinating. And I mean, in the most morbid way for me, it's, I played it too. And I had a very similar experience to you. Like what the hell am I doing? Um, and, and again, the, the poor girl running the demo did not seem to understand it any more than I did, (laughs) but yes, there is a mission a request or something apparently involving poop and finding a toilet to flush it down <laughs> with your with your googly-eyed man like cu- customized creature I, it is completely bizarre and the only th- i mean other than the obvious spore reference because you do sort of build this creature out of some parts and then watch it animate in a hilarious way um, but I also had to think of Nobi Nobi Boy just in terms of sheer absurdity and confusion in terms of how, how to play it and what you're supposed to do. So if you like those that kind of like super weird, hilarious, bizarre thing, um, I I could see this being really cool. And I heard someone talk about Street Pass. Uh, was that confirmed? Okay, Neil's reaching for the mic so
4: um yeah when i uh I, I looked up about the game and also talked to the person there um she said that you could straight pass and share your creature with other people so i mean i don't really know how that would fit into the grand scheme of the game which i'm not even really sure what that is but it looks like you will be able to share your characters with people as you pass by which i mean could make it a, a, a entertaining download on the eShop as long as it's not too expensive. I wouldn't even be surprised if when this comes out it might be another free download a la the Pokedex 3D, but we'll see. Maybe.
0: All right, well, it's a good thing Neil had run out of lives in Brawl, or else he wouldn't have been able to give you that piece of information. Um, so, yeah, I, I certainly think that this is a, the kind of thing where I would like to see what other people have created with it. And, you know, given the the legacy of Spore, there's obviously a lot of interest in that, Um in the marketplace so I think it could be really cool and you know one thing that we've learned from E3 in general I think collectively is that StreetPass is really awesome and really powerful um, as a way to get you interested in in your 3ds and get you interested in the people around you and and the you know the people who you might have passed by and it gives you the most minimal glimpse into someone else's life and into, into what someone else has been doing or what they might have to say to you but um, it's it's really addictive and it's really fascinating I
2: I to that respect I have one question for Johnny and it's are you happy
0: yeah that that was the personal message provided by uh Professor Tezuka the uh the famed Nintendo designer who uh did well I think he produced or or did the level design for Super Mario Brothers and Mario 3 and other games and he seemed, I think he's semi-retired from Nintendo at this point, but we ran into him many times. I think he's like a level three or four me in my uh, on my three DS because I've I've happened to pass by him so many times, uh, and and he he lays out this very deep philosophical question <laughs> when you street pass with him, where he, in which he asks, "Are you happy?" Um, and also, his me looks eerily like him. Um, in in the most disturbing way possible, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, street pass is. Uh, I I I was very skeptical of how much fun it could really be street passing with people, and you know, and how how much I would get out of it, and and even today, after really about four days of of carrying three DS around with me and and running into a lot of people, I'm still pulling it out at like, you know, anytime I have just two or three minutes, um, with any kind of downtime at all, even sometimes when I probably should be doing other things, I find myself, you know, opening the 3DS and seeing if I've collected anyone. And of course at E3, quite often you, you will collect the maximum. Um, and so it, it, helps to, to check it off and to clear that queue out so that you can find 10 more people. Um, and, uh, I mean, I've, I've got over 400 street passes at this point in the, in about four days of, of E3 type activities. And, uh, it's going to really suck going home and, and probably not getting many street passes at all for the next few months, because I have enjoyed it a hell of a lot. And it's made me very, very glad that I did purchase a 3DS before I came here and i I am very. I was very much looking to hear what 3ds developers plan to do with Street Pass, and we really didn't hear much from very many of the of the the games that we saw. A lot of them, it seems to be indeterminate, or else they're not really planning to use it for whatever reason. Um, we even heard that. Um, Apparently the some of the Western developers aren't planning to, to support it just because they don't expect that the people in their markets, their target audience would really have a use for it, you know, would ever meet enough people to make it worth the effort of supporting. But uh I, I hope that they do anyway. I mean, obviously people in urban environments will get to Street Pass and people who are really interested in it and can attend events and plan events and things like that and then you know even if it's something that you only get to do once a year at some kind of gathering you know you go to comic-con or pax or something like e3 um i think that though these experiences are they they do make it worth supporting this stuff because people are really really into it i mean it was not unusual to go to any given place in E3 and see all kinds of people with their 3ds's out checking them. It seems like everybody was doing this. Was was really the metagame of E3 and uh, and nearly everybody was really into it. Um, that was just a, a very popular topic when we ran into our friends. Was you know I hope that our I hope that our me's that were exchanged um, because I'm trying to beat that boss
2: and and find me on the second time through. Uh, it's not dissimilar to what we saw when we had the gold and silver poker walker things at PAX East in which people were running down lines begging for uh begging to do gift swaps and things and I I wonder how much experimentation that was for Nintendo as a whole but it's it's kind of an interesting little thing that will only exist in the cultures that surround these kinds of conventions because even if you live in an urban environment where you'll get a significant number of street passes it's not going to be a situation where people are kind of milling about in a large confined space with the hugely disproportionate number of 3ds owners actively seeking to engage in street pass data
0: yeah, I mean, you're, you're totally right. There is a certain critical mass that you have to build up for this to really be as entertaining as it has been. And yet, I feel like the the result is so astounding. I mean, it, people are so addicted to it. Um, and, and I've been so entertained by it that I want this to happen more often. You know, I, I want to look for opportunities when this might be possible. You know, I want to encourage people to carry their 3DS's because when you do find this kind of large group of people um, uh, with with a high percentage of them using StreetPass, um, it's a it's kind of a magical experience. You know, it's one of those things that Nintendo is always promising and talking about. It's very pie in the sky, and, uh, and it's easy to be cynical about it, but when it does actually work, it's really kind of amazing. And I think... Um, it's it, this. This was really a validation of a lot of the things that Nintendo is always talking about and, and trying to accomplish. Um, and again, it is a very specific kind of event and a specific kind of a place to, that you have to have put together to make it happen. But it's worth it. I mean, it, it, it was awesome. You know, I I can't wait to do it next year too. I hope it's still something that people are interested in doing a year from now.
2: It's kind of funny that this is this. Johnny had just mentioned that this is the kind of magical experience that Nintendo always likes to promise and sometimes delivers. It's kind of funny that the first time that anybody probably really experienced the full depth of of the so-called magic are the journalists to whom they're always trying to sell it and who are so cynically basically saying, God, it's that same pitch again. So for once, the the target conduit actually was the receptacle of what they're trying to sell instead of the consumers who won't probably won't get to experience it that on that largest scale until something like Pax rolls around in what june or i mean in uh september August, august so that might be the first time in north america there's going to be something similar to this and i mean by then who knows what the situation will be with the 3ds
0: All right, well, of course, we hear from James every week, so he's going to have plenty of opportunities to talk about all the other games that he played at the show here. So uh, I'm going to bring in Mike, TYP,
4: uh,
0: who I'm sure has been ripping it up in Smash Brothers as usual.
5: (laughs) Uh, There were some really good battles between me and Jared at the end. I mean, there were some epic battles going on there. So Jared's pretty good.
0: I'm not surprised by that. (laughs)
5: Well, you've been
0: playing some things by <laughs> All right, so um, Mike, one of the things that we we spent some time today traveling together, yeah. and one of the games that we both got to play was Cave Story, and I mm-hmm. see that it's on your list there. So um, maybe I can set you up for this. Um, Cave Story three D was being presented by a couple of people from NIS America, Nippon Ichi Software America, who were. Tucked away in the Tec- Tecmo Koei booth, and Mike, I had been over there before, so I knew who to look for. But you got there first today, and you were over there wandering around. You didn't know who who to talk to or where these people were. They were hidden in plain sight. So uh, once we once I was there and we met up and we actually started the appointment. Um, they just handed us the game and let us play it. And and really, I think. When we're both familiar with Cave Story, we've played it on WiiWare, and I think we both really like it a lot. What I was really surprised by in Cave Story 3D is how different it looks. And unlike BitTrip Saga, where they're just taking the WiiWare games and basically just shoving them together and putting them on a on a on a cartridge for the 3ds i mean they're doing the 3d effects which is cool but for the most part they're very straight ports you know these are games that you've already played in the pretty much the exact same way cave story 3d is although the same game at its core it looks so entirely different that i feel like you're going to get a a a really shockingly different experience out of playing through this version of the game. And I got that. The amazing thing is I got that sensation in about 20 seconds of playing it. So I'd like to hear what, what your impression of it was as well.
5: Well, I agree. It seemed like, um, a lot of the visual cues you, you subtly rely upon just sort of aren't there that, you know, the assets are no longer tile art, right? It's, it's full 3d assets. And so things look different. It's, it's kind of darker looking. In, in fact, Um, I think it's too dark. I I know before I played it, I'd heard comments, people complaining about it being dark, and people responding, well, yeah, it takes place in a cave, so no duh. But it's so, kind of going back to what was said earlier, it's so brown and so gray uh, that things don't stand out very much, and especially for someone like me who's who's red-green colorblind, the browns and greens often kind of blur especially when they're very muted colors so that didn't help either and figure so I had trouble seeing where the platforms were I found that turning on the 3d really helped some and in, in, in seeing where the platforms were and, and maybe that's part of the what they're going for but um, it's like you're disoriented I was playing a level I knew pretty well but it's like uh, wait where do I need to go in the egg quarter here or where, where do I jump where you know which egg do I need to go into uh, I don't remember so um, it, it is feel new. Um, I, I'm a little concerned that that it doesn't look as, as uh, appealing or as as um, charming in, in this mode. Um, I think they do include the, the original art as well. We didn't get to see that, but uh, I mean that would be comparable to what you'd get on DSiWare, I imagine. Um, I mean the, the remixed music.
4: Uh, sorry, Hold on, Neil. Neil
0: has a comment.
3: The way they're doing
4: way they're doing the original art is uh you can just switch the the like the character sprites but it'll just keep the same like i guess the backgrounds so it's not necessarily like a like you'll switch between like how in the uh the we one you could switch between literally the original graphics and the we wear updated graphics in this one i believe it's only like the sprites in the 3d worlds
0: Okay, that's, that's an not, interesting clarification there. Yeah,
5: that's not what was told to us on the show floor. They said they had the original graphics that they were going to be including. So, we'll we'll see there. Uh, they certainly had some 2D sprites left in there that they said they just hadn't created assets to replace those yet, like the I think it was like the save point, not the save point, the teleport. teleport. Um, so it's certainly not done. It sounds like they're going to be delaying it a little longer. They're they're trying to polish things, but I mean, it's Cave Story. It's a good game. Um, there's some interesting things they've added. Like, um, in the cemetery area, you can see in the background a, a part of another part of the cave that you can't access there, but it's kind of set, teasing, like, later in the in the game, you can access that, you know, because it's a 3D cave, right? You're meandering through. So that's, that's kind of cool. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I played the WiiWare game. I, I think I'm... I like the WiiWare game more than what I played there, but that's kind of a personal preference thing. And, and they really are going for a new market is what they're aiming for. So maybe, you know, maybe it's okay if I don't like it. If other people who, who want 3D graphics play it, that's great.
0: Yeah, again, I think it's notable that this is the first actual retail release of Cave Story, and that's that's a big deal for them. For the creator, of course, Daisuke, the, um, the man known as Pixel, um, and he is overseeing development so they're sending builds over to him quite often and he basically approves it or or has comments on you know you should fix this you should change this cuz he in the original cave story he did everything he did the music and the art and the programming and the level design and everything so he knows that game better than anyone and uh, and so they really want to make sure that he's pleased with it um, and that's you know they they seem to be taking a lot of care with it i think in terms of it being too dark or looking too different, I think it's mostly personal preference. I actually kind of liked how it was, because it's now a 3D game and now they have lighting, mm-hmm. um, that also means that not only can they use lighting, but they can use darkness. Whereas in a sprite-based game, it's difficult to do darkness because um, it just kind of turns everything black and you just can't see anything. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to do that in a subtle way um, in, a, in a 2D sprite art game. And, you know, I, I think at the same time, I agree with you that in the original pixel art, there's a certain stark starkness and, and contrast and boldness of color that makes it easier to pick things out in the environment. It makes it easier to identify visually uh, what's interactive and what's not, what's an enemy and what's friendly, etc. Um, and I found myself being quite disoriented by areas that I Am very familiar with from the WiiWare version. Uh, I've played through that game multiple times on WiiWare, and and yet I was struggling a little bit in terms of where can I jump and what are the enemies, you know, and and, and things like that. Um, and I I certainly think it's something that you could get accustomed to after playing it for a while. But again, I, and I think if this is your first time playing Cave Story, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Because it's it certainly doesn't look bad. I think it actually looks really good. But again, it looks so different from the original version or the WiiWare version that it's like a completely different game, which is actually could be a great benefit for those of us who who would be replaying it. Because if you're going to be paying your thirty or forty dollars for the 3DS version, um, I think there's a certain value in having it feel so fresh that you actually don't even recognize some of the locations because then it really does feel like a completely new experience for you and it's not not as familiar it's not as recycled um but i was quite surprised at, at just how much had had gone into redeveloping that game um i was surprised at how much the depth of the backgrounds added to the feel of the place you know i mean in obviously in a, in a 2d pixel art game I mean, Cave Story doesn't have much in the way of backgrounds. You know, they're they're simple by necessity in some cases. Uh, and in this, now, because the, the levels and the characters are all made of polygons, there's a ton of depth. I mean, in the old days, we might call it parallax scrolling, but that was yeah. more of a 16-bit effect. So it's not really represented in Cave Story because that's based on more of an 8-bit aesthetic. So now that you're in full 3-D polygons, you've got a ton of space to work with that goes way back into the environment and all of that's enhanced by the 3DS screen of course but even with the 3D effect turned off there's so much more to look at you know there's a lot more detail in the environment and some of it really adds a sense of this is a large volume that you're moving through, and there's more to this world than just the small sliver of it that you interact with. Um, so it really does f- change the feel of the game in, in a surprising way, and it was much more pronounced than I expected going into it.
5: Yeah, it reminded me a little of uh, some of the levels in like Donkey Kong Country Returns where there's just so much in the background and foreground that, that yeah, I mean, you're, it really is just a cross-section of a larger world. And it, I mean, it looks pretty, it just... For me, the just a little too dark for my taste. I mean
0: Yeah, I, I think that could possibly be tuned up again. Um, so you know, I, I'm with you. That that's something that could be addressed. Um, but overall I, I do actually really like the way it looked more than I thought I would. And uh, and we should mention that there was the remix music was playing and, and we plugged in the headphones, I thought it sounded
5: really good. I actually well I I often am not one for remixed music in games, and ironically, I mean, I played the WiiWare we version, so to me that's the original music, but I felt like they're the remixing it, and sometimes once people are remixing these kinds of soundtracks, they're they're trying hard to make it sound different, like a remix, and sometimes the original charm gets lost, and they're doing something in a different way than you originally heard it, and it's not bad. I think it's well done. Um, I, I think I prefer the, the WiiWare we music, but that, once again, personal preference, and maybe I just you know it's hard to even with headphones it's hard to hear everything in the music at e3 so i'm sure there's a bunch of stuff that i just didn't catch
0: it's true and the cave story soundtrack is pretty rich in terms of composition yeah. anyway so there is a lot that you could miss uh, on the show floor um and and we should note that along with the having access to the original graphics at least partially maybe incomplete um it's not confirmed right now, I don't think, but there's I would say there's a very good chance that you'll be able to play with the original music as well if you prefer that
5: yeah. uh, given how they handled the WiiWare game that's I'd say there's like a ninety five percent chance of that now, Mike, um
0: before we wrap up the show, what else would you like to talk about?
5: Well, um, I'm not sure if anyone really talked much about uh, Luigi's Mansion or or Mario 3D. Was there was there much discussion in a prior podcasts on that? A, a little bit. Um, well, I, I found that uh, you know I replayed Mario 3D um, a bit more today. You know, I, I played it on the first day and I felt like the controls were kind of slippery, and I, I wasn't sure what to think. I, I even wound up asking a question about that at the at the Nintendo Roundtable on um, the first day. Um, but I played more of it it, it kind of grows on me a little bit uh, it's kind of weird because you're running holding the run button and that's very slippery but if you don't run it's you're just sort of walking and uh, I still not sure I like that but it, I found like after a little more time with the game I was able to control Mario better running. Um, so uh, my initial concerns maybe aren't as strong as they usually were on on that game. I, I think there's some cool stuff in there. Um, and of course, Luigi's Mansion, I, I think I touched on it when I was very distracted trying to write impressions of Luigi's Mansion on, on the, um, on the press cast or whatever we calling the, the one right after the press conference. And so, uh, I, I just wanted to point out that, um, it really, uh, captures the, the GameCube game very well without feeling redundant. There, there's some very clever little stuff they've done that there's a lot of humor in, in it just like the original but but you know the, the ghosts seem to be playing more pranks even just in the little demo than, than what we saw in, in the GameCube game. And um <laughs> 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 I, I think Johnny's laughing at the the way Squirtle's clapping right now. Uh <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I, I just think there was a lot of charm in, in Luigi's Mansion and uh, it seemed like there's almost a little more puzzle solving in, in, the, in the demo available. I, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh. It's not really hard to do this with everyone making fun of Squirtle in the background. I'm just <laughs> uh, moving on. Um if I if I may indulge myself in, in, in talking about a game that isn't actually on Nintendo platforms um, cuz I know Johnny and I played played this together more or less. Um Final Fantasy uh 12-2 13 13-2. See, it's hard. Final <laughs> Fantasy 13 I <laughs> I like twelve dash two as well, but <laughs> I have never played that game. Final Fantasy thirteen two. Um, they had a demo on display. I, I thought that the plot was kind of hard to follow, if not batshit insane. I don't. I don't know what. If you have any thoughts on that, Johnny. It seemed like they were talking about alternate realities or alternate dimensions and and other stuff like that. But uh, the basic mechanics are the same in terms of uh, the battle system, which I like the paradigm system. Um, but what. They added that I thought was really cool was um, that before you enter a battle, um, there's a kind of a radius around a, an enemy where uh, you can either choose to engage or escape. Um, and if you take too long in that radius, then it's kind of like they start with an advantage. And if you if you attack the enemy first, then you get an advantage. So it's it's a little bit more like something you might see in. I don't know, like a Super Mario RPG or something, earthbound. Or, or Earthbound? With it?
0: A, a little bit, yeah. It's a, it's more sophisticated than Earthbound, but it it's the same idea that in, in terms of how you approach the enemy determines uh, who takes the advantage once the battle starts. And FF13 technically had something like that, but it was really weirdly done and kind of unbalanced. So I think the way they're doing it in 13.2 makes more sense. It's explained better. There's more visual indication of it, and um and I, I think it'll probably work out a lot better in the long term.
5: Yeah, so it, you know, the demo didn't it was hard to get a full feel for the game, but it, i mean it looks like if you like the battle system, they're they're fleshing it out, it's pretty good. Um it seemed like you could have monster allies too in the game, which i thought was kind of interesting. But um of course that's not on Nintendo system unless they <laughs> do not it. not yet, but who knows? I mean, it's supposed to come out this year, but come on, come on. Really? Is it really going to come out this year? Yeah, well, we'll see. So um, that's that's about all I had. I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, we'll stick around for a sec because um, I actually had a few more comments on Mario and Luigi. Um, and, you know, since you, you brought those up, I want to see if you have any reaction to this. Um, so I, I think it's worth mentioning that pretty much all of us who've played Super Mario have had some kind of comment on the way it controls. Um, and some people, Neil, I think is more comfortable with it uh, than than some of the rest of us are. But um, for me, certainly, when I first played it, I immediately felt like there was something weird about the way it controlled. And it was hard to put my finger on it. There is, it, uh, there is something about the slipperiness of it, for sure, uh, when you're running. Um, and the slow, the very slow walking speed when you're not running, um, I think that the jumping is a, it's a little bit hard to stay on a, on a, on an axis yeah, when you jump. I would agree with that. Okay, um, whereas like in, in say Galaxy Two, there are a lot of levels where you're, the camera's pretty much fixed on a 2D plane. You still can move in and out of the depth, but you don't really need to. Um, and you're not really punished for doing so, you know. Like generally, like you won't fall off of platforms if you happen to move in or out a little bit, uh, because they they want to design the level as more or less a two D level, right? So there's a fair bit of that in Galaxy too, and it seems that way in Super Mario as well on 3DS until you actually do it and then you do fall off the platform because you move in and out more than you want to. I think to some extent it's it's that the circle pad is not as accurate. For this kind of thing as the, the nunchuck is for Galaxy 2. Um, and I also think that the the game isn't constraining you to the plane quite as much as as Galaxy 2 was. Um, and the other thing about it is I found that I, I was almost uncomfortable with the camera angle in Super Mario on 3DS. Because... It's presented in this sort of diorama way, but the levels are laid out very much like they are in Galaxy and Galaxy Two.
5: Some of them are, yeah. I'd say that the underground level feels more like a New Super Mario Bros. level, but the the ones that are like outside, like there, there were the first one they showed that um, I don't know how to. Say. It was almost would be like a comparable to like the first world in Mario Three maybe, and then there was another one that was very similar to some of the more abstract, floaty Galaxy levels that. Um, where there were switches and, and you were walking on panels that would appear and disappear, um, and in those definitely had a galaxy feel without the galaxy controls, and and, and it was weird because it's like playing a galaxy level with new Super Mario Brothers controls only in three D, and and it and it's weird. It's 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 a weird juxtaposition, I think, and I'm not sure if it works or not.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like there's a fair bit of tuning left to be done on, on Super Mario. Um, for one thing, again, I come back to the camera angle because it's something that I, I wouldn't have thought was that important uh, in a game like this because it seems like a simple game. But once you start playing it, um, I, I found that the camera angle was really unsettling for me because it's very direct on. So you're playing these complex 3D games. It is a 3D Mario platformer
5: with a static camera angle. Well, it varies from the levels. I found like like the, I'd say that some of them it is very much like a looks like sky scrolling until you accidentally wall jump into whatever something facing outward and then you wind up falling in front of the screen and dying, which that, happened to me a lot in the first level. That
0: happened to me quite a bit as well. Yeah. So I, I think that's a good example of of that. That I think it's proof that they need to. Work on that a little bit because that almost never happened to me in Galaxy.
5: Right, but the, the level that really reminded me of a Galaxy level, I think that they had the camera a little higher up, a little more like how they had in Galaxy. Maybe I had just got adjusted to the changes by the time I played this level, but it seemed to me like the the camera was a little higher up and and a little more um, isometric and not quite you know, head on. And so I had a, it was much easier to judge distance on those levels. And I, and I even though there was a lot more you know, places where I could fall, I didn't fall as much, because I wasn't trying to run left to right, but really running a little bit in or a little bit out, and then, oh crap, I'm dead, you know, <laughs> so that didn't happen, and and, and my, I think the camera probably has a lot to do with that.
0: Yeah, well, ironically, in, in a game where Miyamoto, for instance, uh, has, has for a while been touting the the benefits of a 3D display and helping you to judge distance in a, in a Mario platformer. I found that in this game, I actually had a lot of more difficulty judging jumping distances than I have in any other 3D Mario. And I think the main reason for that is the static camera angle, which is very rigidly straight on. Um, it, it just doesn't feel quite natural. Um, in a game like Super Mario 64, it's always floating, and you have a lot of control over it. Uh, in Sunshine, you pretty much are spinning it around Mario all the time to get the best angle on things. And then in the Galaxy series, it's uh, it's dynamic and automatic, so it's pretty much always trying to present you with the best possible camera angle. Yeah. In this game, it's just straight on, whether that's the best or not, it's uh, it just kind of stays there, and it it's weird because the, you know, you're still doing the same kinds of movements that you are in the other 3d platformers, but the camera always just sits there in exactly the same static position. And, uh, I, I think that really contributed to my awkward feeling of playing it. And after a while I found that it actually helped in some cases for me to, to use the touchscreen button or the d-pad to tilt the camera off at about a 30 degree angle which you really only have, that's really your only choice. You can sort of tilt it about 30 degrees to either the right or the left or put it back in the central um, straight on position and I found that um, tilting it off to the side actually gave me a better isometric sense of where all of this stuff was and it helped me a little bit with some of the jumps but then the problem is Sometimes you've tilted it off to the wrong side for a particular jump, and then you have to tilt it back the other way for another one, and it's all handled with these digital sort of slow-paced mm-hmm. uh, notches uh, in camera angle. So uh, although that helped a little bit, I think in the long term, that's not really a good solution to this problem.
5: Well, I think it get back gets back to what I said about that level that, that feels much more like a galaxy level. Um because in that level, you are doing a lot more running kind of into the screen instead of left to right. And so there, there is the sense of depth, and, and the 3D effect is more useful. And I think that, that gets at what you're saying about tilting the, the camera. Then you have a little bit of that depth to help you. And not necessarily even having the 3D on. I'm just saying the change in perspective makes it easier to judge. And it makes it easier to see when you are actually veering off to one side or the other than if it's head on.
0: Right. So while I can't say that I'm completely positive about Super Mario, I am hopeful, and I think the the people at EAD Tokyo are very, very, very good developers, and I think they'll probably address these concerns before the game comes out. And in a number of other ways, I think the game looks very promising and exciting. I think there's some really cool stuff that they can do with it. Um, but uh, I do want to end the show on a... On a very positive note, and that would be my experience today playing Luigi's Mansion, which I wasn't really even planning to play. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the original Luigi's Mansion. You know, I've played it a few times, and I like it, but I wasn't all that excited about a sequel. I didn't really think it was a game that needed a sequel, quite frankly. Um, and I, I just wasn't planning to devote any time to the demo here at E3. Um, but I found myself up there in that part of the booth and I had a couple of extra minutes and I decided to just give it a go cause it was there and it was, it was available. And, uh, I almost immediately was glad that I did. I felt at home with it right away. And I was very, very impressed with how they handled the controls. This is being developed by next level games, the people who made punch out and also Mario strikers, uh, both of the Mario strikers games. And, um, and now this seems like a big shift for them going to something like Luigi's Mansion Two, but I think it's in really capable hands. Yeah, I, I think it's
5: really cool. I, I, I mean, it's glad. I'm glad to see that this developer has such breadth of competency. I mean, it, it, it's really comforting to see that they can go from something like Punch Out to a sports game to a adventure action gamer i don't know what you would describe luigi's mansion i, I don't know i don't know what genre it falls into but. it's ghost busting i believe <laughs> is the genre
0: um but you know the original luigi's mansion of course is a twin stick it's a dual joystick uh uh video game for gamecube and because of that i always felt that the controls were a little bit unwieldy that were a little bit more complicated than i would expect from a nintendo product and um and, of course, the 3DS only has one joystick. So in my head, and I think this is part of the reason I wasn't excited to play it, I just kind of assumed that you'd be moving Luigi with the face buttons and mm-hmm. cardinal directions and then aiming the, the vacuum or the light with the circle pad or something like that. I just didn't see how this could possibly feel right. And I think what Next Level has pulled off, with probably a lot of help from, from Nintendo... I mean, Miyamoto said that he's sort of taken personal responsibility and a, a deep personal interest in this game because um, because he had that connection to the original Luigi's Mansion. Um, so maybe maybe he's given them a lot of feedback on it. I don't know. But the interesting thing is that they have very successfully turned this into a single joystick game. You don't use the face buttons to move Luigi or anything like that. Um, they've basically made Luigi point the the flashlight and the vacuum cleaner wherever he happens to be facing at that time, wherever you know in the direction of his movement. And then once you start, um, once you hold down the light or you you start activating the vacuum cleaner, he basically locks into that direction, and then the and then the circle pad controls his movement uh, in a strafing kind of way. Um, with his with his directional facing locked in to whatever it was when you started that um it i probably made it sound more complicated than it actually is because what it what it amounts to is you play the game with one joystick and it feels exactly the way it should from the very beginning
5: yeah think of it as like when you're playing metroid prime on the gamecube once you're walking around you're pointing where you're walking and then you lock onto a An enemy, essentially, and then all of a sudden you're strafing. That's essentially what's going on in in Luigi's Mansion.
0: That's right. Um, And the only thing that you really lose in this setup is the ability to look up and down, which wasn't needed that much in the original game.
5: You you can do that with the the, uh, gyro sensor. So you actually tilt the screen up a little bit or down a little bit, and that gives Luigi uh, up and down a little bit. It's not vital for most cases, but it does come into play a little bit.
0: Okay, I didn't even know you could use the gyros for that because you yeah. can also use the X button. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that was on the diagram. Uh, and and so I was using that, but again, even in the original Luigi, Luigi's Mansion, I suspect in the sequel as well, uh, looking up and down is not something that you need to do very often. Yeah. Um, and so it makes sense to uh, to sort of remove that from the joystick, you know. And it, it works really, really well. And the other thing I, I know want to note about it is that uh, I, I wasn't all that impressed. And if you go back and read the live blog from the press conference, when they first showed the trailer, and that was the first we'd ever heard of this game was that trailer at the press conference. It was a surprise announcement. And um, as I was live blogging, I noted that the graphics don't look as good as the GameCube original and you know they didn't look all that great. Not mm. that not that they, they look bad, but they they were noticeably worse than the original GameCube game, which is 10 years old this year. Um, after having played it today on an actual 3ds screen, I think it actually looks just as good as the GameCube game and potentially a little bit better in certain in certain ways. Um, But it's one of the numerous cases I discovered this week that um, showing 3DS games on a big projection screen or even on the LCD screens attached to capture units, which is how a lot of the third parties are doing it, really doesn't do them justice. The games look much, much better on the actual 3DS screen and when you actually play it. I think you'll be much more impressed with it. Um, and so maybe that's a good reason to let people know that the a lot of these games have 3D uh, video trailers on the eShop mm-hmm. now. So if you have a 3DS and you would like to see these, that is probably the absolute best way to check out these games for yourself. Because if you go watch it on YouTube or something like that, they're not going to look nearly as good. Um, and Luigi's Mansion Two actually looks fantastic. I yeah, think on it, the 3DS screen, I was very early. surprised by it.
5: Yeah, I mean it's early. I think some of the lighting effects aren't as complex as what we saw on the GameCube. But you know, in some ways, the GameCube probably has better lighting effect processing than a than a portable. But I absolutely agree with you. I also saw instances where uh, the the capture devices. In, uh, causes a bit of input lag and or gradiness because the different screens seems to interpret the three D effect differently. So if it isn't turned off all the way, it it looks ugly and I, I have to imagine that every once in a while direct feed from some place or another they don't have the three D off and that's probably causing some of some of these problems too. So check out the video, three D videos, that I think it's really good that Nintendo's doing that because it's basically watching it in the native format. Really. Right. I mean that it just makes sense.
0: Yeah, and we're supposed to have demos sometime later this year too, and that's that's exciting as well. So, everyone is starting to yawn and the Smash Brothers rounds have ground to a halt. Neil is actually asleep or was asleep in his chair a minute ago. So, I think it's time to wrap up this podcast. Uh so in in the event that this is the last one of the show, which is quite possible, I want to thank everybody for listening to these. I know the sound quality has been hit or miss because we've recorded these in some pretty guerrilla type um, uh, conditions, um, you know, which was, that was intentional to some extent, but also uh, born of necessity in some cases. And uh, I hope that you appreciated our E3 coverage. We we worked hard for you and, uh, you know, and we enjoyed ourselves too. We had a really good time this year. It was nice to hang out. It was nice to see a lot of people and and we got to play some really cool games before they come out, which is really what E3 is all about. And that's why everybody wants to go to it. And that's why, um, you know, that's one of the reasons that we keep coming back year after year. But I had a really good time. Um, I'm very glad that I was able to make it out here. And, you know, hopefully I'll be able to come out again next year. I hope I hope all of us will be. I don't know what circumstances will allow, but... Uh, it was really fun, and uh, enjoyed spending the time with you guys, and, and on a personal note, I want to thank all of you guys for taking the time to do all these podcasts with me um, and coming over here and talking to me as well. So with that, we'll bid you adieu, and if you don't hear from us in the next couple of days, then uh, we'll listen for the next regular uh, episode of Radio Free Nintendo, which will be coming out um, next Sunday, uh, I believe. And of course the NWR Newscast, uh probably returning next weekend. And uh and Radio Trivia Podcast Edition returning we who knows? Sh- <laughs> returning who knows, right. <laughs> yes. Uh but look forward sometime to soon. Sometime soon, yes. Of course we always look forward to that as well. So anyway, uh that's it for me three. We are signing off. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye
5: bye. 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 Ah.